What is up, Bridger Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bridge Runners Live. Tonight, on episode number 61, our guest was Jason Roop. Jason was the final finisher at this year's Burning River 100, finishing literally minutes before the final cutoff. Jason has also run one ultra distance per month for the last few years. We are very excited to talk with him this evening, and it's just amazing to hear his perspective about uh, the mentality and, and keeping going and going at it, even though he was never sure if he was going to finish in time. It's an amazing story, and we hope you guys enjoy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation, and welcome back. We are back. I am back after a couple of shows away. It feels like it's been forever since I've done one of these. Here to talk about all things Burning River 100 with Jason Roop, the final finisher uh, from this year's race. Toughed it out uh, on a day where a ton of people DNF'd due to a whole bunch of issues. There was a ton of rain out there on that course that day, and it really just made things super nasty and sloppy. I fixed way too many feet at uh, Pine Hollow, and JDs were the only ones I signed up to do that for. So um, we're so stoked and grateful to have Jason on. I'm surprised we actually haven't had him on earlier. Um, he's a great runner, lives uh, just outside of Zanesville and trains there. I used to see him on Strava all the time when I lived more out that way. But uh, Jason, how are you doing tonight? Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, my name is Cam Wrench. I'm the sixth man of the nation. As always, I am joined by the lovely John Dolabaki III. John, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine today. I'm recovering a little bit. Um, you know, just happy to hear about uh, Jason toughing it out. So I'm excited for that. Uh, Jason, what are you drinking this evening with us? Um, I'm having the Founders All Day Vacay. It's a session weed ale. Nice. I think I've had that one once before. Tonight, I'm rocking some uh, Athletic Brewing Company, the uh, Golden, the Upside Dawn. Uh, I've been liking these a lot lately. They've been pretty delicious. Cam, how about you? So um, I also went with a NA option, probably one less fun, but a, uh, a Bundaberg ginger beer on a diet because I uh, grabbed the wrong box in the grocery store. <laughs> oh. So you're not dieting on purpose then? No, not on purpose. Okay. Never on purpose. <laughs> uh, I was like, you're a runner, uh, right? That's that's the point. You, you can eat more. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, we're just going to go ahead and uh, dive on into it. Um, Jason, tell us, what were your thoughts going into Burning River Home 100? What what did your preparation look like for the race? Um, you know, where was your mindset? I assume you didn't imagine, you know, what your finish was going to look like prior. No, I wasn't expecting to be uh, dead last, but <laughs> I'm usually towards the, I don't know, if there's a 30-hour cutoff, I, I tend to be towards uh, the end. I mean, 27, 28-hour mark, I'm, that's kind of where I where I fit in uh, in those races. But, um, yeah, it's always a hot one, it seems like. Every year you hear stories about burning river being really hot and uh we checked the weather the night before and didn't see the four hours of rain that we ended up getting that morning that was that really kind of think through a lot of people um i know it did me and uh i don't know i i was only maybe a half a marathon in and i already had like chafing issues starting so um 
the struggle bus started pretty early that day. And uh, it just continued to kind of snowball as it went. <laughs> and the rain was the, the big thing that it, it felt very surprising. Nobody ever thinks of rain when they think of Burning River. It's, it's a hot race, you know, like that's its reputation. And I don't know if rain was in the forecast. I know I showed up and I, uh, I didn't check the forecast at all um, as something my girlfriend will know. I always don't do, um, <laughs> but going into it, you know, was, did you expect there to be rain? Did you just not expect it to be as bad? Was it just like, I can just push through this. I mean, what was your, your plan for that specifically? I'm- I mean, I, I brought a rain jacket and a poncho. I mean, I was kind of prepared because I've been in some, uh, some ultras where there's been a lot of rain. Um, but with looking at the forecast, I remember it was like the night before, it was like a 40% chance at 7 that morning. Then it was like smooth sailing the rest of the day. I think there was a percentage Sunday uh, morning at some point. But yeah, that was just, it wasn't on my radar at all um, going into it. And when it started raining, it was like before the first aid station. We, uh, you know, it was raining pretty good. And I thought, oh, this isn't going to last long. And then we were probably 20 miles in. It was still raining. And I thought, well, what is going on here? Somebody missed something. Because <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think they said it was going to be a dry course the day before at the event. <laughs> yeah. Was not. It got real gnarly quick. <laughs> yeah. And you say you've got, you know, all this rain coming down before the first aid station. The forecast isn't looking like it's right. You've already got some chafing issues going. And what's what's going through your mind in that moment where you know, you know, you've got some gritty finishes in the past, right? And you you have your race plan. This is not your first rodeo, you know, but all of a sudden you're like, this is gonna be a lot different than I. I imagined the day. How do you kind of pivot mentally or what is your sort of like inner talk looking like? Are you coming up with a plan to handle everything or are you just got to like, well, I just got to deal with this. Um, well, I was actually running with a, a buddy of mine. It was his birthday, uh, Carl Hallenstein. And we tend to make jokes about a lot of the, what the negative is going on, just trying to, I guess, be uplifting to each other. But um, yeah, we, we kind of make make fun of the things that are going on, even though sometimes they're not really that funny at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so with that, then, you know, the rain eventually did kind of cool off from that morning. You know, where were you at then, you know, on the course, once you're starting to look like you're coming out, you're like, okay, well, things are going to be muddy probably, but it might dry out. You know, I need to, handle this chafing, change the socks. What was, what yeah, was I that? We were around a uh, uh, mile 25 or it was around a marathon, 25, 27, somewhere in there. I can't remember the name of the aid station, but I think it stopped raining there. And um, I'd, I'd started drinking pop pretty early. And I try not to drink pop that early. I try to use it, you know, in the second half of the race. I mean, if you can get to 50 miles and not drink pop, I mean, I kind of like that um, philosophy, but I really needed it that day. For some reason, I was just kind of dragging. I guess it was kind of bonking in a, in a way. And um, I remember Carl was kind of making fun of me because I was drinking pop already. And he was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a long one. And um, uh, I had a popsicle, I think it was, at uh, mile 27, aid station, somewhere in there. 
and it really kind of hit my stomach wrong. Um, so we left it and I was kind of like, I don't know, like I wasn't feeling it. And we kind of hiked for a while. And they, I kind of took care of the chafing, you know, with uh, uh, squirrels, nut butter and um, got that subsided. But um, the stomach kind of took over at that point. And I just, uh, I got to the next aid station. I didn't really know what I wanted. I was drinking more pop. And at that point, I knew that I was kind of in for a long, long day. No calories. Yeah, exactly. And, running. <laughs> mm-hmm. and when you say you started drinking the pop earlier, I know that that's a thing for me that, you know, if it's early in a race and I'm drinking Coke, that that is a red flag, right? Like I'm leaking oil a little bit. Um, yeah. When you went into the aid station, were you kind of thinking that, you know, oh no, I need this already, or just, I need this and I can't, I can't worry about it. Right. Like what was your when you made that decision to start drinking pop, where were you at? Um, I think I just, I was wanting it more just for the carbonation. My stomach felt like it was a little uneasy and I just felt like I needed to get like some pressure release there with a burp. And uh, that's one of the main reasons I went to it. I mean, I wasn't really tired or anything. I just felt like I needed a, um, a little release there. And I don't know, once you start, drinking it i was looking for it you know at each state aid station that's what that was kind of my go-to um i was you know really looking for the coke and i didn't really eat a whole lot off the table i mean i went in um with spring uh gels um and they were fine for a while until they weren't and i don't know just gels in general the texture once your stomach starts to turn i don't it, to me, it doesn't matter what brand it is. They're just hard to get down. Yeah. What else besides the gels then, what else were you trying to get down? Anything else? Um, pickles yet? Or you not turn, turned down to the. No, yeah. That my stomach was a little bit too funky to even to go to pickle. I love pickles, but that day it was just not, it wasn't going to happen. Um, I think I at pine hollow on the way back. I ate like half a banana and like a, a little shot glass of ramen and uh, it's it was really sparse i mean my calories were way way off that day way off so on the when you finally got through kind of all that rain you said we got through your, your nutrition was starting to be a problem from from pine hollow i think it's where it kind of stopped raining the first time for most people yeah out to you know the 50 mile and then coming back, how, how was those, how was that leg for you? Especially, you know, when you're out on that bike path where it's kind of becomes more of a mental, I think, battle on the bike path. Cause you're like, oh, well, this isn't fun. And you're just like, <laughs> and then you get to see yeah, all the people kinda, coming back. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of exposed out there. Um, and I don't know, you could see a long way and at, at points it, I don't know, to me, it looked like it was uphill going to, uh, Silver Spring, it looked like it was uphill coming back. I don't know, maybe I was just kind of having a bad time there, but I was like, man, it seemed like it was uphill going out. It seems like it's uphill going back. But we interville ran a lot of that, just like using the telephone poles that were uh, running down the side of the bike path there. It was like, you know, let's run two telephone poles and, you know, walk to the next one. We were kind of doing just that kind of strategy for a while. 
Um, but when we got to the, the, I think it's the Tiki aid station right there by the overpass. Mm-hmm. I got to that on the way back and I'd sat down on the ground and, uh, I, I was really questioning like if I had 45 miles left in me at that point, I thought, man, I don't, I don't know. With not being able to keep in calories, I mean, I, I just, I just felt like it was going to be a long, long night. What got you up out of that spot then? Moving. Um, actually, there was a couple runners that run over here in uh, New Concord, about twenty miles from us, and they had a pacer that I'd ran with before, Tim Boggs, and he was pacing them. And they were moving pretty good when they came through and he saw that I was kind of down on the ground and needed, I guess his services more than they did. So he jumped in with us and paced us uh, from Tiki to uh, Pine Hollow. And uh, we really needed him. I mean, he was really chatty and uh, just kind of kept us moving and he's an old military guy. So, I mean, he really, he doesn't cut you much slack. <laughs> doesn't like complaining. Nice. Got to have that. <laughs> awesome. So you get back to Pine Hollow, probably dark by this point, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yep. And you're not far from the next set of rain. <laughs> yeah, we got there and that was a long, that was a long stretch. Um, Carl at that point, his stomach had turned and, when you have two people that are trying to stay together to run a hundred miles, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of highs and lows for each for each for each runner. I would say I was the weakest link probably through most of the race, um, and he was feeling good, and I felt like I was kind of dragging him down. I told him to go a few times, and you know I'd kind of go my own way, but he stuck around, and uh, eventually I think he caught whatever I had going on and just, you know, his stomach turned. And when we got into Pine Hollow, I remember he laid down uh, just right off the trail there. I would say it was probably 45 minutes. And at that point I was having um, issues going to the bathroom. I, I felt like I had to pee, but I couldn't. And this, this had been going on for probably 20 miles. So I was trying to take in fluids I did eat a half a banana there. Julie, my wife, got me a little bit of ramen, which I uh, was able to get down. Um, I think I changed shirts. And uh, at that point, we heard thundering, like right before we were getting ready to leave. I think it was close to like an hour, maybe even over an hour that we were there just trying to regroup. And we heard thunder and kind of seen some lightning in the distance. And Luckily, I had a couple ponchos and my drop there, and we suited up. And that's when uh, my youngest boy, I have two boys. Uh, my oldest is 20 years old. His name is Jonas in the Marines. And my youngest one, the 17 Milo, he decided to pace us for um, 20 miles. He, he left uh, Pine Hollow with us, and uh, he got to experience some uh, real fun there. <laughs> and that with, heat lighting with, with the lightning and the, the the rain and the mud oh it, it was yeah. i imagine something you won't forget <laughs> the, the heat lighting was definitely something 
I'm not going to forget because I was in the Soleil's field over there when that lightning was happening. And I was like, I'm like the tallest thing around. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, my wife was kind of nervous uh, just about that. I was thinking like, uh, you know, <laughs> my son's out there. <laughs> Um, got a question from Eric Anderson in the chat. He says, is the stomach issues an experience that you've had to deal with before in ultras? Um, yes. Um, I've, it's, I don't, it just seems to be uh, a roll of the dice. I mean, this is my third hundred this year. And I had one where I had some issues similar to this and I had one where I was pretty good almost to like 70 or 80 miles for a hit. I mean, sometimes it's, I can get through a race and not have it. And sometimes it's early and sometimes it's late. I just, I don't know what the recipe is. I've tried different drinks, different gels. Um, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, I've, I've experienced this before. So, I mean, I knew. It was going to be a, a, a long battle. And sometimes it seems like when I get into a stomach battle like that, I never really come out of it. But it seems like you learn to deal with it as you're going. Like um, what, what, what I can use. I mean, just a little bit of water and a little bit of Coke. I mean, I'm not running, but I'm moving. Um, I was able to keep moving, but I mean, I didn't have the calories to 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 run really i mean when we were running it was 50 yards at that there was a lot of power hiking <laughs> yeah i can only imagine um what it would have been like after once you got through um with those yeah with like you're talking about like half a banana like and some, yeah. some ramen like not that's not even close to like what they what would i say 200 to 300 an hour yeah like, oof. um I, even the gel i tried some gels later on and i could only get like half half a gel down and i would just start uh like dry heaving and it got pretty bad my diaphragm was just sore i felt like i would i was in a a fight almost and i wish i was but i mean i just felt like i'd been beat on <laughs> my ribs were so sore by the end and it was just from the convulsions of dry heaving. And, um, I wasn't really getting anything up cause there wasn't really anything in there. Um, uh, it's, I tried, I think a couple potatoes. I don't even know what aid station that was. I tried a couple potatoes and I, as soon as I got the cup by my, my nose and I could smell them, I was like, Oh no, I can't do this either. It was just, uh, I didn't, I couldn't find really anything there that I wanted to eat mm -hmm. and it wasn't their fault. It was just, my stomach was just, it just didn't want to play that day. <laughs> so you had that, like, um, you said you did 20 miles with your youngest, right? Milo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, 17. yeah. So you left then Pine Hollow with him and, you know, you made it to Robinson field area through the lovely mud fest that was Soleil's again, that kind of oh, clay that got catches and sticks. <laughs> and then what was it like when you got back through and back onto um, the trail again, you know, more up towards Valley Picnic? Um, like when we got on the towpath, it was like, 
I remember it was raining pretty good. We got passed by a couple people there and, you know, we were like, go get it, man. Um, they passed us. And I mean, it kind of gave us a little bit of spark to like, you know, try to run some and we did, and, you know, it was kind of cool. There was like toads and frogs and snakes all out on the trail there, you know, um, and we moved pretty good through there and I'm not sure at what point, but Milo, my boy was, I think he was starting to get tired. And when he comes into an aid station, being a pacer, he, he's not like going to get his own food and water. So I had to like, kind of make sure he was getting, you know, like, Milo, your water bottle spilled. And, you know, do you, you want something to eat? And of course he was like, no, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm like trying to check his water bottles and, trying to take care of him, you know, make sure he's not out there, you know, doing the same thing I am, I'm doing, you know, not taking in calories and fluids at this point. Um, so we got, I got him some Mountain Dew. I think it was at Oak Hill. <clears throat> and he was like, I have a headache. And I was like, well, you want me to call mom and I'll have her pick you up. And at this point, I'm trying to get my phone out of the bag and like see where we are. And, see where I can have her pick him up. Cause I'm not even sure what time it was like three in the morning or maybe four in the morning. Um, <laughs> and so I, I texted her and I said, you know, can you pick him up at Boatsum? And then I'm trying to do ultra math. Like we're here and that's 10 miles away and we're moving it. I don't know, 20 minutes a mile. And, you know, this, you know, all that crazy stuff that you're trying to do in the middle of the night. I'm like, I think we'll be there probably around six. So <clears throat> that gave him a little bit of a, a goal. Like, you know, I've only got to do like eight more miles with these jokers that are just walking through the mud. I think he thought there was going to be more running than what took place. So he did pretty much 20, 20 miles of hiking. I don't know what, what his time was. It was, he had about seven hours, I think on his feet with, with us doing 20 miles, which is a long time, but uh, there's a lot of mud and there's a lot of Hills and we stopped several times. I mean, not just to like to sit down, but just to kind of regroup, you know, everyone was kind of struggling, but uh, yeah, he, Julie picked him up. And from there, um, we knew we were really getting close to the cutoff at that point. Um, I'm not sure the aid station where we came into, it was the one, I think it was about, it was Bozeman. It was 15 miles left. There was a guy there that was like really, really caffeinated. He was just really excited. And he was like, you guys are doing great. Um, you got to do 15 minute miles from here on in to make it. And we're like, we haven't done a 15 minute mile since like, I don't know, maybe in the front 50, <laughs> it'd been a while. So we left there, you know, picking it up. We were at interval running um, and we got to the next aid station. And I believe that's the one that was closing. It was, it was shutting down. Like they had already started tearing it down. And the gal that was running it told us that we were behind. I can't remember how many minutes. And at this point, um, I had to go to the bathroom. And so I went to the portage on, I was like, Carl, can you fill up my water bottle? 
So I get to the Portage on and there's like no toilet paper. And I'm like, oh no, of all, all the bad timing. And he's yelling at me like, we got to go, we got to go. And I'm thinking, I do have to go. So I mean, <laughs> I'd already told my mind, like, we're getting ready to go here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I couldn't. So I was like, I had to switch gears. Like, now I'm not going to the bathroom. Now I'm like, I'm having to hustle. So I caught back up with him and he hands me my water bottle. And he's like, she says we're behind. We got to average, you know, I don't know, 12 minute miles or something like that from here on out. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. So we're on trail at that point and we were hiking like all the trail, you know, because it was kind of gnarly in both spots. So he just takes off just booking it and I, I couldn't even stay with him. I mean, it was like, I'd see like his hat go over the next hill and I was like, oh my goodness. So at one point I was thinking, I would just let him go. I mean, um, you know, if I make it, I make it, but I don't, I don't think I can stay with him. And, um, I kept running and eventually I caught up to him and I thought I was going to die, but you know, I did, <laughs> I didn't. It's a casual and, way to say that. I thought I was going to yeah, die, but I was like, I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm the, we just ran like three miles and I, I can't remember the last time I ate anything, you know, I'm just, I was like shaky and uh, I just felt terrible. So we got uh, on more towpath there, and we were actually able to run some more. Um, and then we hit another section of trail that slowed us way down. I mean, when we were on the, the towpath, we were doing pretty good. You know, I thought we were going to make it. And then we'd hit the section of the trail that were mud. And it was like, you know, we were doing 20-minute miles, and that was hustling. Um, so yeah, the math wasn't really adding up. And we got to the last aid station, uh, was set five miles out, I think it was. And the same guy that was at the Bozeman aid station, the one that was really caffeinated, was there. And he was like, you guys got this. You got to average like 12-minute miles. You got it. It's all road from here on out. And we were like, okay, okay, we got this. So we walked the, the big brick hill coming out of that aid station there. We walked that big brick hill. And we got up in the like in the housing division there, and we we just I don't know, started putting together runs. I mean, they weren't super fast, um, but we ran a good bit of it. And then you drop down that real big hill into a park, and I was like, oh my goodness, I was sacked at that point. I thought, how much further we have to go if it's going to be, you know, long, which it ended up being a little long on our watches, you know. Um, the math was still like, are we going to make it in time? And it wasn't until we hit Broad Street and we're running up through there where you could see like the tent that it hit me that um, we were going to make it in time. And man, it got, it got emotional for me. I was, um, I was kind of choked up. It was, it was a, it was a long, long, hard fight. <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine what that was like, the, especially to see it with minutes to spare, you know, that finish line. Yeah, um, I think it was like I don't know, four and a half or five minutes, something like that. We were like 29.55 and change or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, let's take it back to uh, the boats of aid where you're told, you know, oh, you know, it's there's, you know, what's ahead of you, right? It's an out and back course. And like, well, you got to average 15 minute miles. And you said, I know you were doing ultra math. So maybe this don't add up, but they're like, well, I haven't run a 15 minute mile since, you know, one of the first 50, right? right. What are you, what are you thinking to yourself in your head there? And then what's your actual physical strategy to deal with that? Because, you know, there's plenty of people that have been like, well, can't run 15 minute miles. Give me a chair. I'm calling my wife, you know, like, right. but you were like, you heard that. And, well, I can't do that. Like, let's leave the aid station and see. Well, we actually heard, we passed uh, a couple guys that were coming into that aid station. Um, sort of the same time we were. And I left cause we were dropping, I was dropping Milo off with his mom. And uh, Carl said that one of the guys that was there, he knew that area. And I mean, I've ran there before, but I don't know the names, of all the trails. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the area. Well, but he said like, Oh, the guy that was telling us what we had to average. He said, well, we got Mingo coming up and he's like, you know, it's going to be terrible. Like the trails there are going to be terrible. And to us, I mean, we knew it was going to be muddy, but I didn't know like how muddy or I couldn't, I know we went through there earlier, but I couldn't remember at that point, you know, how hilly it was or any of that. So we just, we just went for it. I mean, Carl kind of carried away, uh, carried us there through that. I mean, he was uh, the lead horse for sure. And I was just kind of trying to hang on to what he had going on. Um, but once we got, to the road i think there was a lot of relief um I, I knew i knew i could run on the road versus being in the mud and on the trail i mean even as exhausted and calorie depleted as i was i knew that i could you know do 12 to 15 minute miles on the road um on the trail I, it just wasn't happening just not, not the shape i was in not the shape the trails were in <laughs> Yeah. And so <clears throat> once you get back on the road, then and you start, you start putting those miles together. Um, are you, are you doing anything else? You know, like, well, now that I'm on the road and the running parts easier, this is what I'm going to eat or I'm going to try to drink. You said, you know, you were, you were shaking it. You did not have enough food going in, you know, what's, did that change at all? Or are you just like, well, I'm on the road and, and I'm running and I'm just going to keep doing just that. And we're going to see if I can make it there in time. I was, uh, I was getting burnt out on Coke because I drank it so long. I think anytime you do a 30 hour race, um, no matter what you're eating or drinking tailwind or eating gels, I think you just get burnt out on, you know, whatever it is that you're doing for that length of time. So Julie actually had a, uh, a Powerade that I drank some of, it was like a blue Powerade and it stayed down and it was different. It was like, you know, it tasted different. I thought, Oh wow, that's, it wasn't too bad. So I told Carl as we were running the, the next aid station, I was like, I am done with Coke. Like I need to do something else at this point. So when we got to the, the last aid station there, um, on the towpath, I asked them if they had Mountain Dew and uh, the guys like, yeah, I was like, can I have a whole can? Cause I thought if I can slam a whole can of Mountain Dew, I was like, that's 170, 180 calories. I was like, that ought to be enough to run it in. So um, I got a whole can of Mountain Dew there and 
and slammed it. And then I got out on the brick road and I didn't want to litter and there's no trash can. I was like, no, I got this can I have to carry for. I ended up throwing it in someone's trash can, like up in the division, you know, I finally found a trash can, like <laughs> throw it in, but I was like, no, I got this hassle that I didn't really want at this point in the race. But yeah. I think the do, uh, kind of gave me the kick there, um, along with the adrenaline and just, um, just knowing that you're smelling the barn five miles away, you know, you're just kind of, kind of picking away at it. Yeah. So we've got a couple comments add from the chat. Mike Anderson says he's at work, can't stay on, but to tell you that you did a great job of grinding it out and finishing before they cut off through difficult course conditions. Uh, he's going to tune into rest tomorrow. And Michael Gamp says, not a question, but a comment that it, it is so awesome how Jason and his family are always outside doing things together. Very cool. And obviously, it's, you know, you keep talking about Thanks. your wife and your son hanging out and like y'all just have this big old family affair trying to get across the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We like to get outdoors and get some real life experiences in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so to cut back to what you were saying, you know, is the, as the miles are ticking away there at the end, they always, they do seem to get easier as you were saying, you know, you're smelling the barn, but when you know you're chasing cutoffs, how does that uh, change your mindset as they're, as they're ticking closer? I've never been, well, I, I accidentally ended up in that situation just once and I didn't know I was chasing cutoffs until they told me <laughs> it was over because I got lost in the course. Um, yeah. But you know, how does that, how does the mindset change? I mean, what is like, the confidence change, you know, if you know, like, oh, I just put, we put 30 seconds on the cutoff this mile. Are you trying to do that ultra math, you know, after 29 and a half hours? I had actually switched my watch over because I forgot to tell you this. At one point we took a long, a wrong turn. I think it was like the Indigo Lake aid station just passed it. There was a, there must've been like another a race or something that went on somewhere close to that we saw a sign on the side of the road that was pointing through this field and we started out through there and we were kind of like this doesn't look familiar and we we ended up getting back on course but um that kind of threw my watch off to where i thought you know i was kind of you know 100 mile race and you're looking like yeah we're at mile 97 we got three miles to go i was still having to do the math like you know if we're if i'm eight tenths of a mile over or a mile over. So I just, I turned my watch down to just the time of day. And at that point I thought, as long as we make it in by 10 o'clock, we're good. So, um, when we were, when we were in, in the city there, you know, we were, we were running the roads and I would just kind of glance down. I'd ask Carl, you know, where are you at? one mileage you know and i was kind of looking at my watch just kind of watching through the what time of day it was um just because we knew both of our watches were off his was over too but, um yeah i mean mentally it was i don't know it was just so much going on with the with the ultra math i guess is what we call it where you're trying to break down like time of day what time the race is ending um how, how many minute miles you know the last mile just buzzed it was 15 minutes um we need to pick up what we just did um run a little bit further than you know we have been rented the next car <laughs> mm -hmm. with a lot of that going on yeah 
Absolutely. And then um, got a couple more questions for you here about Burning River. But you um, you said earlier that, you know, seeing the finish line, that meant it meant a lot to you. You were starting to get choked up there because you, oh, yeah. you guys really gritted this one out. Um, what does a finish like this mean to you? And we know, checked out your ultra sign up. You've got some some faster finishes, some higher place finishes, even a couple podium spots. What does this finish mean to you compared to those other races? Um, I, I guess I, that's probably the part that I started to get choked up about is uh, just mentally what I went through um, from Pine Hollow on was, um, one, I have my son there, so I'm trying to be an example um, as a dad, you know, to, to show strength and not show weakness. And here I am, I'm like in maybe the weakest point that he's seen me. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to be example and, you know, not throw in the towel for him. I mean, I'm trying to, trying to keep moving. Um, I, there was, it was just, it was, uh, there was a lot going on in my mind. And my body was, you know, it was, it was not helping me out at all. I mean, I had, when you have chafing issues and you have stomach issues and uh, dry heaving, and um, I had some feet issues, which they were, I mean, way down on the list of things that were going on, not being able to pee. Um, there's a lot of things going through your head that's saying, should I keep going right now or you know am i like doing damage to myself should i throw in the towel but i think with having carl there um and milo there you know i i had enough support bulbs and he was pacing me you come a long way i mean you you paid for hotels i mean you paid for your race i mean Nobody wants to go home and think, you know, if I just stuck out another hour, would have turned around. I mean, I've been in races before where I've been really low. And if you can stick it out, I mean, an hour or two later, you know, sometimes things happen that, you know, you, you get out of that valley. I mean, this race, that didn't happen. There was, it was always a pretty big valley until we hit Broad Street. <laughs> Uh, Eric yeah. Anderson said in the, it's a super cool to show your kid how to tough it out. Um, crazy how you take the most from races that didn't go as planned. And, and to add to that, you know, you even talked about it earlier at the aid station where you go into dad mode to make sure that he's got water and his food and he's good to go for his leg that he's running with you. <laughs> so. He'd, uh, paced me at CNO the last 20 miles. And, uh, that race went better, but um, we got to a few aid stations there, and I was like, Milo, what do you want? They had, like, little peanut butter and jelly, those little crustable deals. I was like, you want one of them? He was like, oh, no. And I know he likes them, and they had, like, Swedish fish in, in bags there, and I was like, how about Swedish fish? And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. And he was just, you know, not wanting to take anything from the table, and I was like, dude, just, so I grabbed him and, like, put him in his and his best and he, he wanted them he just didn't want to take them you know so i mean and then getting him water and pop and i don't know i think it's just part of the learning experience for him it's like 
when you get there, dude, when you, you better fill up because when you leave from that aid station to the next one, it could be, if you're with us, like on that night, it could be three hours. <laughs> yeah. And then um, you had uh, your friend Carl there running with you as well. Um, let's, let's talk about that. You know, your decision going into try to run the whole race with a friend and then you had mentioned a few times, you know, trying to send him ahead and he's not, he's not really going and doing that. Y'all are sticking together and working together. Uh, what did that add to the, the experience of this race? And then especially to, to get that finish, knowing you went through all those highs and lows, not only, you know, with the pacers you had and your son, but with Carl. Oh, it, it definitely uh, strengthens. I just, I don't know. It makes a really strong bond there. It's one thing to run run a hundred miles, and there's several hundred people there that are running, and you can all get together and talk about your experiences. Um, but when you've ran literally every every inch of the race together, um, you see people at their weakest points, and you really see them for what they are. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot that gets hidden in that 30 hour period. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we've really gotten to know each other. I think really well. Um, this isn't the first time we finished together. We've ran, I think three hundreds together and a hundred K together and some other ultras together. But, um, it is difficult, I think. Um, but it's very rewarding at the same time you have, like I was saying earlier, you have different highs and lows because um, we're all different people. Um, one guy might be feeling it, and the next guy's not. Um, it seems like very seldom late in the race are you on the same cylinder reputation. You know, it's always one's up, one's down, um, one's carrying the other. Uh, earlier in the race, you know, you can kind of get in a flow together, but, um, there's, there's just so many things that factor in, uh, when you get out there in that 70 mile range, there's a lot of things that, uh, kind of take place there. Absolutely. Um, well said, uh, John, do you have anything left about Bernie river? I know we were all, we were all out there, out there, but you were out there in a much different way than I was <laughs> just learning from it's, it's, it's a tumbling experience to try it again. Um, and so I think it's, I think it's remarkable to hear a perspective, uh, chugging through the night all the way to the very last, potentially not even going to, you know, like you didn't even know at the very end right there, that last five miles, if you were even going to get a buckle, if you were going to finish yeah. it all, like you would have maybe finished and said, I ran a hundred mile, but I got a DNF. Yeah. Cause when you're going through that neighborhood, it just seems like there's so many turns i mean you turn you're like is this the last turn and then it's not and then there's another turn and another turn you're like where is the main drag you know and just and when you're talking five minutes like if the course had been a half mile longer if we just stayed in pine hollow uh, another five minutes or been in the eighth stage i mean it's hard to wrap your head around five minutes on a 30 hour effort it's so many areas you could have lost that five minutes. 
<laughs> I mean, five minutes is you having toilet paper in your pack and you know, right. not being like the Porta John's out of toilet paper. Right. There's right. a million yeah. places, you know, it's it's deciding not to change socks at an aid station or you know, like right. It's yeah, I mean, it's it's totally mind-boggling when you think about all the places that you can get that time back. And that's how I've spent a lot of the I don't know, since the race has been over, um I'll have moments where I just I'll think like, wow, that it's pretty mind-boggling that it came down to five minutes. Um and I've seen videos like Western states where people come in with like a minute left or two minutes left, and it's always like really emotional and you're like cheering them on like oh man it's so awesome but when you're the person that's been out there 30 hours it doesn't feel uh awesome the whole time not until you're at that finish line <laughs> yeah look at that beautiful picture of you laying down it's like i'm done uh, yeah I was, I was i was toast at that point <laughs> yeah all right well we're gonna we're going to move on now. Um, a couple other general questions we have, and then our quick questions as always. Um, but Jason, you've got a, a monthly 30 mile run streak going on. Um, what's up with that? You want to tell us how and why you started it? If, if you're going to end it, you know, you had any close, close calls like Paul Barty and his run streak, you know, doing a mile in the airport. Yeah. Um, I think part of it's from, seeing paul and some other people that follow on strava doing run streaks like that's where it started i hadn't seen anyone put up like an, an ultra streak i mean i know there's probably some out there but people i followed i hadn't seen anybody you know start anything like that um i think it was uh, january of 2018 i signed up for the rocks and roots uh, double 50k and <clears throat> i did both of those and I was running uh, CNO uh, in April. <clears throat> so I needed to keep training. So I ran, um, I think it was just like around towner in March and then went to CNO, ran in April. And then I don't know, at that point, I'd had like four or five in a row. And I thought, oh, let's see if I can keep this going. And before I knew it, I had a year in and then, uh, rocks and roots had come around again i thought well i'm kind of on a pattern here so i just before i knew it it was uh i think i have 42 months now um and i had some close calls there's been a couple of them where i've i think ran on like the last day of the month um i know i ran tuscazor um i think it was two years ago and i had my knee was really jacked up after that race and um i did a lot of walking that month and i thought man i don't know if i'm going to be able to get an ultra in um this following month um i ended up getting one in um uh, i think it was really slow and probably a lot of walking but um yeah i i plan to try to keep it going as long as my health will allow lord willing awesome that's incredible <laughs> Yeah, that's really great. <laughs> so many 30 mile runs or more. <laughs> mm -hmm. How do you kind of uh plan your month around that? I know or it seems like you're you're counting races uh to count towards those, and that's smart. You know, you don't want right. to you don't want to have to double dip. Um, right. but in a month where you know you're training, are you just are you trying to have it X amount of weeks out from a race, or if you got nothing really on the dock, are you just like 15th? 
circle and you're like, let me get it done by then. So I'm not trying to do it on the 28th, 29th, you know? Well, my buddy, one of my buddies was asking me about that. Uh, Justin Wickham was asking me when I was going to do my ultra in August because we planned to do one of my birthdays in September. And uh, his birthday is like the day before mine. And we planned on running our age on our birthday. So I had to run like 47 miles the third of September. So he's like somewhere between now and then you're going to have to, when are you going to do your ultra? And I was thinking, eh, it's probably going to have to be like a mid month. Cause I'm going to need a couple of weeks to, to heal up from this. Um, but I, I work weekends sometimes. So, I mean, sometimes I'll look at like my weekend I have off and, um, you know, you hope the weather's good, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's really hot in the winter, like in the winter months. Sometimes I've been in snow or rain. Um, it's all fun. I mean, makes for good stories. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then um, you mentioned uh, another buddy of yours, Justin Wickham, and we mentioned you're you're in the Zanesville area there, and. The Zanesville uh, sort of like community of ultra runners is a little more, it's the uh, than other places I've seen. It's a little more more gritty, I would say. I lived uh, up there in Nashport in Jamie Hanks' right. tiny house for like a month, actually. Um, and I don't I don't know what it is. Um, I think maybe it had to do with the fact that I could go, I would leave that house for runs, and I'd see more of any given farm animal than like cars on the road. Right. You know, it was like, well, today I saw more goats than cars. not just farm animals. Um, but tell us a little bit about that, like the community that y'all got down there and, um, what it's like running in that area training. Um, there's not a ton of places to run around here. I run a lot of my miles at Rutgers Endurance Park, um, REP, um, uh, Tim Rucker, he's a race director out there. He has races out there. Um, and they allow me to run there and that's been really beneficial to my training. Um, Dillon um, is another place around here. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time there, but it, it has a pretty good trail system. Uh, we have a trail system out by the airport called McGraw. I've ran there. It's not real big, maybe, I don't know, eight, eight to 10 miles um, of trail there. Um, and maybe that's doubling up some, some trail. But we don't have near the trail systems like Columbus or like the Athens area. Um, or the, the strength and numbers of, you know, uh, the groups. Um, the groups seem to be smaller here. Um, and uh, I don't know, we have a few bike trails. There's Blackhand Gorge and Zane's Landing. Um, but as far as trail systems go that are uh, available to me close by, there's not a ton of them. So sometimes you have to get uh, kind of inventive if you're wanting to run an ultra around here. Sometimes it's uh, back road loops and run to the next town and have my wife pick me up. Um, it, it's We've got pretty imaginative on some of them. I've uh, even ran, had a vehicle that was in the shop and ran like a 30-mile loop to get to it before. Um, <laughs> and they just kind of got to be inventive, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and um, I think with that, we're going to move on to our um, our short questions here at the end. If you have any more questions for Jason, uh, if you're listening to us, feel free to just ask those in the chat and John will uh, 
John will get those in there for you, but uh, we'll go to our very first one here. Uh, Jason, what's one thing you can't leave an aid station without? We'll, we'll assume your stomach's doing okay for this. <laughs> um, usually it's uh, Coke and potato chips. I like those are kind of my go-tos. You get your salt, you get your sugar. Um, I've been doing spring gels lately and I like them, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say anything off the table would probably be Coke and uh, chips. All right. And what is, uh, what's your favorite pair of shoes right now? Um, the Ultra Olympus, uh, the fours, they've, this is my second pair and they, they've really treated me well. I haven't had too many issues with blisters or anything. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, uh, any pre-race rituals? Um, here lately, it's just trying to get enough sleep. <laughs> um, I like to do yoga. Um, I like to do yoga before. Um, other than that, no, not really. Yeah. I, I could definitely see if you had a ritual that would guarantee to put me to sleep for about eight, nine hours a night before race, I'd want to know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. And do you have any, uh, any post-race indulgences you love? Um, yeah, I like a cold beer after a race. Um, the burning river race, I wasn't really in the mood for beer afterwards. So I, uh, Carl and I had been talking about what we wanted afterwards. And I kept having this vision of a big milkshake during the race. So we stopped him and I got a big, uh, raspberry, uh, milkshake from Dairy Queen. So nice. that hit the spot. speaking of, a uh visions on the course uh what's maybe your weirdest uh, hallucination mid-race or strangest thing that you've you know maybe eaten or seen somebody else eat at an aid station when you're out there um i thought i saw a a burning river i mean i've seen some different things at burning river there was a tree that was down where the roots were up next to the trail and i thought there was a like a tent there and i had to like do a double take and then i realized it was like the root structure of a tree and um, but the craziest thing, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been on the trail at night where your mind kind of wonders, um, you know, like where you, you think you see something like, a like another person out there, but you know, it was probably just a deer, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't really had anything too spooky, I guess, or crazy happen out there <laughs> always a fun question to ask because yeah some of, the, some of the answers can be pretty wild yeah um, they can get people talking squirrels and you know amongst other things <laughs> mm -hmm. if uh if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball what would yours be probably twist um by fish don't have any fish on the list yet do we cam we don't know. That's, I think that's going to really round it out. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> we've got, I think we've hit every genre now that we've got a jam band. Yep. Perfect. We got next cam. I think you're muted there. Rookie mistake. <laughs> you're still muted. 
absolute rookie mistake. <laughs> my my internet is not uh, doing so hot either. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is our our, our favorite question. Um, usually it's our last one. I had a I did a new one this week. We're testing that one out on you, Jason. So you get to be the first one to answer Uh-oh. that on Ridge Runners Live. But uh, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner, uh, we're going to assume they'll run with you and they'll keep your pace. Who would it be and why? I would have to say both my grandpas because I, I never, I never met them or actually got to talk to them. So I, I think it'd be cool to, uh, to, to spend some time with them and uh, see how, much I was like them, I guess. Awesome. That'd Absolutely. be a great answer. Yeah. That this is like the paper questions we've ever asked. We always like this is nuts, but apparently I think Cam's really concerned about this next one if it's gonna be the new favorite question. Because <laughs> I, I don't read know. it. It's gonna be the new, yeah. It's gonna be the new favorite, not in the same way that that last one is. That last one's kind of heartwarming. This one, I think you get to know a lot about how a person thinks of themselves. Um <laughs> But so, Jason, you're you're in this situation. You can either fight uh, um, one chicken on the first day, two chickens on the second day, three chickens on the third day, and so on for an entire entire year, calendar year. You know, January one all the way to December thirty first, um, and this is every day. Or you can have the same amount of time period to uh, train to fight a mountain lion. Uh, if you fight the chickens, it's just you and whatever you got on. Um, he froze. But if you fight the mountain lion, yeah, absolutely, so, I know. Yeah, so he froze a little bit. So he said, if the if you fight the chickens, you have nothing but your hands and clothes, but you get a sword and armor if you fight the mountain lion. So what, what, what path would you go? Oh boy! And you're not found fighting the. You only fight the mountain lion once. Once at the end of the year, you have a whole year One to train. Time. Oh boy, oh boy. <clears throat> I think I'd probably do the chickens daily just to build up strength. And I know it get tougher each day, but I think the anticipation of the lion fight over a year would just be a lot on the brain. <laughs> We're getting up every day and fighting the chickens. Um, it'd be like getting up and going to work. That is a fascinating way to put that. <laughs> that's that's uh, talked about this with uh, with Michael Owen, and he was he was the first person I knew to say chickens, and that's that's what shocked me. Um, but I just I can't get in the mindset of how do you wake up on on day one hundred, fight a hundred chickens, <laughs> and then you still got to go about your life, and it only keeps getting bigger. I don't mentally i couldn't take that i can i can put a picture of a mountain lion on the wall you know like on the mirror like i'm it's rocky four you know i'm training every day for this i can't i can't get up every day and go clock in and fight chickens (laughs) (laughs) so you're a mountain lion then absolutely absolutely and i i think with a year to train i could get pretty good yeah, especially with a sword. I don't know. But, yeah. But yeah, that lingering, like, that is a good point is just the lingering um, thought, like the concern. Whereas, like, you're I probably going to kill the chickens. You're not really going to. But with the lion, there's like, there's a good chance you ain't making it. 
sure. I've never been attacked by a chicken either, so I don't know what, what, what I'm facing there with all the mini dinosaurs. They're, they're not nice. And I don't, I don't think enough people know how many chickens a hundred chickens is. And that's not even half of your total number. Yeah. I mean, when you get to 365, it would be. That's going to be a long day. <laughs> it would, especially with just bare handed. <laughs> well, I guess you could use the chickens once they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Swinging them around. Yeah. Be like All the right, same from well, the Matrix when he's fighting himself or uh, Agent Smith or whatever. You ever seen the Matrix? Oh, yeah. It's like that scene then. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got a couple of quick notes I want to plug here at the end. We've got the Cabin Fever 50K contest still going on for three more days-ish, something like that. I believe three more days. Um, we'll pick a winner on Saturday. It's rage registration. Opens up on Sunday. Um, we've also got Bob's Big Timber Backyard Ultra Prediction video dropping tomorrow. Wesley does fantastic at those. He's almost always right. Um, so make sure you tune in tomorrow to see how right he is going to be for this weekend. Um, we we have some first-time listener who's just like, oh, it, it, is he good at this? I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> but he's, he's really got like a 60% right now. I, I have an Excel sheet that we'll have to share sometime that I actually do the math and figure out what percentage he's right and wrong on these videos. Um, he's doing, he does decently well sometimes. It's kind of scary. Um, so we got those exciting things coming on. Um, if you, uh, let's see here. Last, any last things you want to say? Thanks sponsors or anything like that you got, Jason? Um, no, um, REP Tim Rucker is having that race, uh, in October Rays ramble. He's got 13 spots left. That'll be my pleasure. Check it out. We'll put the <laughs> yeah. link down below for everyone. Um, all right. I think that's all we got. Congrats on your like tremendously amazing. I, I don't even have words for that kind of finish. It, it's like you said, it's got to be so heartwarming and like emotional to finish at that point. Yeah. Um, so congrats. That That's amazing. Um, I want to thank my wife and my family too for all the support because without the support, um, I wouldn't be able to do the stuff that I do. Love that. Love that. Um, as always, we'll be back next week with another episode of Fridge Runners Live. Um, and like I said, prediction video tomorrow. Kim, anything else? Nope, nothing to add. Sweet. Bye, everybody. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh, 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 oh,